I'm Lilla Rogers, art agent and founder of Lilla Rogers Studio and co-founder of my e-course company, Make Art That Sells. And you're listening to The Inspiration Place with Miriam Shulman. Today's episode is sponsored by The Artist Incubator. It's my small group coaching program for artists who want to take their art career to the next level. To apply, go to shulmanart.com forward slash B-I-Z. It's the Inspiration Place podcast with artist Miriam Shulman. Welcome to the Inspiration Place podcast, an art world insider podcast for artists by an artist, where each week we go behind the scenes to uncover the perspiration and inspiration behind the art. And now, your host, Miriam Shulman. Well, hello, this is your host, artist Miriam Shulman, and you're listening to episode number 68 of the Inspiration Place podcast. I am so thrilled that you're here. Today, I've invited a top artist agent who books her clients for illustration jobs or home decor, and she is answering our questions. In this episode, you'll discover different niches that artists can pursue, what kinds of artists excel at illustration, and what publishers and manufacturers are looking for when booking jobs. And we may even get into the new artistic trends to expect in 2020. But before we get there, I wanted to tell you about the Artist Incubator. While today's guest helps artists decide which art to include in their portfolio to sell and license their designs to businesses such as publishers or manufacturers, I help artists both become better artists and sell their art to collectors. By the way, if you're looking to improve your artistic skills, you'd love the Inspired Insiders Club. It's my membership program where every month you get new videos that teach you how to become a better artist and also monthly art critiques. To check that out, go to shulmanart.com forward slash join. Now, if you feel confident that you already have your own style and you're ready to invest your time into the business side of being a working artist, I would love to help you. Just imagine what it would be like making consistent sales doing what you love. I've done it and my clients have done it as well. So if you're feeling stuck and you're not getting the art sales you want, either because you don't know what to do or you're feeling overwhelmed by all those strategies out there, I invite you to apply for the Artist Incubator. What stands in the way are emotional triggers and the wrong strategy. The artists who do succeed have figured out what to do and plan for success. So if you're not sure what to do next, I would love to help you. You can apply by going to shulmanart.com forward slash B-I-Z. Application is free. And if you qualify for a free session, you'll learn how my signature framework, the Passion to Profit Plan, can work for you. Once again, that's shulmanart.com forward slash B-I-Z. Now back to the show. Our guest today is the founder of Lilla Rogers Studio, a visionary art agency that represents over three dozen artists from around the world and has sold art for products worth over $200 million. An accomplished illustrator herself, she has been in the business for over three decades. The studio's client list includes Anthropology, Crate and Barrel, Chronicle, The New York Times, Blue Q, Godiva, Barney's New York, Warner Brothers, Ikea, Target, and hundreds more. 
basically walk into any of those stores and you'll recognize products with her artist's work on them. I do it all the time. And then I tag them on Instagram and tell them I've seen their art. So the studio represents some of the most sought after artists worldwide and has licensed their artwork on a huge variety of products such as bathing suits, teacups, scrubs, bath mats, all kinds of home decor, all kinds of products, children's books, and much more. Lilla has an extraordinary ability to recognize new artistic trends as well as technology developments that allow illustration to morph and take on a new life within the media revolution. Lilla's book, I Just Like to Make Things, is a bestseller in the business of art on Amazon. Please welcome to the Inspiration Place, Lilla Rogers. Thank you, Miriam, for that wonderful introduction. I'm so glad to finally have you here. So I've been trying to get you on the podcast even before I had a podcast. So I met you at Surtech, not when they changed it to Super Bowl weekend, but when it was still May. So that would be... I think two years ago. Yeah, 2000. Yeah, last year, 2018. Yeah, and I met your beautiful daughter came to say hi. While I was there. Thank you. That was the year she graduated from Parsons. Oh, wow. So that would be, that was 2018. So I'm really happy to have you here. The reason I invited you is I'm always getting asked about art licensing, illustrating children's books, and it really isn't my wheelhouse. So I really am happy to have you on so we can shed some light on it and answer these questions. But before we get there, I was stalking you on various places, trying to figure out like what other things we could chit chat about. And I noticed you spent a year studying Buddhist philosophy at Naropa. Two summers, actually. Yes, I did. Allen Ginsberg was in residence and a lot of beat poets. It was in the 70s. And I was a young person. William Burroughs did a, a talk one night. It was an amazing collection of people. Do you feel that like the work you did then or that kind of philosophy helps you now? Because before we started officially recording, you were sharing with me your thoughts on competition in the art world. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, I've been interested in, in all this. Even years before that, I got into Eastern religions and spent time in an American ashram and things like that. It's a great foundation, I think. And yeah, we were chatting about competition and For all the artists out there listening, when another artist succeeds, that's great for you. It's great for them because the more energy is in our community for all of us, it just adds excitement, energy, and and all that. So, for example, if there's something great on Netflix, it's not, well, I'm just going to watch that one thing and, you know, that's it, I'm done. You're going to watch tons and tons, and now there's so much content creation. It's an amazing time for creatives. So what that's done is, of course, then there's Hulu and Amazon's getting into it and Disney and all these content creators. So it's good for everybody. Yeah, it's like if you like Chinese food, you can't. there's not going to be only one Chinese restaurant in New York City. There's Mm -hmm. hundreds. Right. And then there's Mm -hmm. also, there's Mexican food, there's Chinese food, there's French food. So we all have different flavors. Yes. Somebody wrote in a question to ask you about how saturated the art licensing market is. Do you feel that we've reached that point yet or there's still room? I don't believe in that concept because as an agent, I'm always taking on, not always, but 
I take on artists from time to time and I'm always looking for something new and exciting and a vision and a style that I love. And I'm sort of the liaison for my clients, the companies, the the book publishers, the manufacturers who are looking for something new. The consumer people always want something beautiful or visually arresting that will never end. People are always looking for fresh ideas. It's kind of like saying if the music industry is saturated, like we can't, we don't have room for another rock star. Exactly. Do you say, oh, I have enough music on my phone, so I'm never going to take another music, download Right, or fashion. No, tell my closet that, or books. (laughs) Oh, yeah. You're a big reader, right? Oh, yeah. Terrible. My husband keeps saying there's another package from Amazon on the board. No, it's too easy. So, you know, and I want to say that actually it's never been a better time for creatives. Here's why. Things, artificial intelligence, AI, they can do so much. Mm. When my mother had a business, she had so many people she had. a What her advertising people did now can be done so quickly in InDesign, for example. And then so much can be offshored to other people, which isn't necessarily a good thing, but that's what happens. And what does that leave? It leaves creatives because artificial intelligence can, or robots can never do what creatives do. They cannot write books and music and make pictures. And look what's happening again in Netflix and all that in the content creation industries. It's crazy. It's a great time. So I want to reassure everybody that there's plenty, plenty, plenty of work out there, but your work has to be really strong. And unique, right? Like a new voice? Yeah. I mean, you don't want to copy someone because you'll never, you'll always be inferior to the copy. You want to be your own voice. And that necessarily is unique. When you are your own, you follow your passions and your obsessions you will create your own unique style and just really work your ass off to get really, really good. Now, I wanted to bring it a little bit closer because everything you said so far could be true both of artists who do the kind of art I do or we're making art that's wall art for a collector's home mm-hmm. or a commissioned portrait, as well as the type of art work that you're representing, artists who are illustrating or creating surface patterns for home decor. That's one small part of what we do. We actually do license wall art. We do lots and lots of books. We do book covers for adult fiction, nonfiction. We do fully illustrated adult books. We do children's books. We do candy packaging. We do advertising and corporate. It's endless. Now, the artists you represent, do they do all of those things or do they excel in certain niches? I like to take on an artist who has a look and a style that I can get them work in various markets. Sometimes I have some artists that can work in a a huge number of of markets. And sometimes I just have children's book illustrators slash writers. Okay, so that brings us to something that I hear a lot when people see my art, not the art that you see back here, this mixed media art. I mean, this is my art, but the type of art that people see, like my watercolor portraits, people will see that and they'll say, Mm -hmm. oh, you should be illustrating 
children's books. And the first thing mm-hmm. I think of is, well, what the way I think of what I do is I'm taking something that is an external reality, and I'm interpreting it visually. And in my mind, what illustrators do is they are working from not an external reality, they're creating it with their imagination. So it's a completely different skill set. Do you agree or disagree with that thinking that I have? My work was in galleries in San Francisco and the Hamptons. And then I became an illustrator because I really love the immediacy and I love working with a manuscript and working with designers and art directors, creatives and magazines and all that. So when I paint, it's I can make up whatever I want. And when it's for a client, a, a company, I'm riffing off of what they would give me what the parameters were. But within that, I made a piece of fine art. I don't think there's a real distinction, except that, of course, when you're making a painting, you are thinking about your work, you're thinking about your collector, and kind of what they've bought from you in the past, what they like. So we all are commercial artists, we are all getting money for our work, whether it's a collector or Simon and Schuster or whatever it is, I think it's all, all the same. It's more like a, you can have a really mass market style in fine art and a really edgy style in illustration. I agree with that. So where I was going was when I do a portrait commission, I'm taking a photo of a child and I'm painting from the photo. Whereas with illustration, I might be creating a, if I were doing that, I'd be creating a character where it's not working. It's not like I would hire a mod. I guess I could. Isn't that what Norman Rockwell did? He would hire models to do different scenes. You absolutely can work from reference, from photos, from models. For a children's book, there are specific things you need to prove to the art director that you're capable of illustrating a 36 page book. So you need to have developed a you, you want to show really interesting characters. Here's the three things. A great character with expressions and then doing things in poses. And then creating a, a double-page spread that's just, you know, a magical or realistic or dramatic or any kind of scene that you want. You put your character in there, maybe with supplemental characters, and have them engage, have them tell a story in some way. That's it in a nutshell. But you absolutely could work from photos or create your own character. But the missing piece here is that somebody who wants to get an illustration job needs to be able to show different expressions, different poses of that character, whether that's a realistic character or something that's... A pencil. Right. A pencil with the face or a giraffe or it can be a thing, an animal or a child. Okay. When publishers are looking for an illustrator, do they come to you with asking a specific needs? How does that process work? Primarily, it's commission. Ah, The bulk of of what we do at my agency, there are some agencies, particularly in England, where, and they come from a print tradition, print and pattern tradition, where an artist might create lots and lots of patterns, and then those are either sold outright or licensed to home decor companies. We do a little of that, but more of the bulk of our work is commission. So an artist is invited to do something, a commission 
So like for anthropology, they may see some of the artists' work and say, we would really love them to do this subject matter for bedding and pillows and rugs and towels or plates or something. Okay. So an example, like maybe they saw some poppy that your artist did, but they wanted adapted for a particular market. Not necessarily adapted. We're always showing work to our clients. They may see a piece or a style and they say, I love this artist's style. We'd like to commission her to do some subject matter. Okay. (laughs) It can be anything. Aloe plants. All right, I'm trying to think of what I've seen in anthropology, like the yeah. like the alphabet with a different letter illustrated for every right. cup. Because I know I have right. an M cup. Right. Or bedspreads are great because it's just such a huge canvas. We've done quite a bit of that. So okay, that's great. This question you may not be able to answer, but this came in to me from one of my artists. She wanted to know. I think I guess she's writing her own book, and she wanted to know if she was trying to publish it. If publishers are going to try to match her up with their own illustrator, or if they would take her. Is that a question that you can answer? Yeah, that's a really common question because we have people all the time coming to us. Hi, I've written a children's book and I want one of your artists to do it. And we, and they'll pay too. And we say, you don't want to do that. Don't want to spend the money because they may have expertise in writing, but they don't have the expertise that a publishing house has. The art director's job is to be very, very savvy about understanding the tone of the manuscript, the vibe, the subject matter, the mood, and matching it with artists, which they do for a living all the time. You know, a a top publisher is going to be amazing with that and do a really great job. And they will talk to the, the writer, the author about it and help them understand. There's amazing artists out there who can do a great job and who have expertise in doing a children's book. So I want your listeners to really understand that and that will save them money and you don't need to do it. However, I am teaching when we can get to that, but a course for illustrators to write a proposal because so many of my illustrators and my students have really cool ideas and illustrators, artists, I use it interchangeably, illustrators and artists have really very often inventive ideas. And now what's exciting is that editors and art directors at publishing houses want artists to come up with ideas and sketch out a text, and it doesn't have to be beautifully written. They will. The editor's job is to help make the text better. But when an artist is writing and illustrating, there's something magical that can happen. They create their own world. That's a very cool new trend. Okay, so my students who want to write and illustrate their own books should be encouraged to go ahead and submit their own illustration ideas to publishers. Is that what you're saying? Yes. All right. Now, there's a lot to it, and you should read about it or take classes. It's not so simple. When is your next illustrating book class coming out, Lilla? The writing class is called My Kid Book Class. Create a children's book pitch only you can write. And you're not writing the whole thing. It's creating a pitch in a really cool way where I'm very excited about this class. That's a new class. I don't remember seeing that on your website. It's brand new. We just launched it in our cyber sale and it's coming out October of 2020. And it's about how can I help people find their authenticity, their own story 
and not, oh, I was walking through the park and I lost my dog and my dog ran away. No, 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 no. No. What makes you quirky, eccentric, unusual? What did you deal with as a child that maybe was an issue? Do you have a learning issue that you can write a little story about that can help children? How can you help? There's so much happening in that that market that's incredibly exciting. One of the books that really touched me was Judith Forrest's book, The Tenth Good Thing About Barney. It's a classic. It's been so I, you know, as we said before we started, I'm so I'm 50 going on 51. And mm-hmm. Judith Forrest wrote this book, which was illustrated by, I hope I don't botch his name, Eric Blavad. But it's about a boy whose cat passes away. And my mother gave me that book right after my father passed away just to help me try to understand mm-hmm. death. And it's what you're saying. It was like this beautiful exactly. story that it was so hard for me to process that death, but it did help. And to have those beautiful cat illustrations was such a comfort to me. And you never forgot. Oh, I never, never forgot. forgot that book. And what a gift that is to children. And there's so much happening like non-binary stuff and diversity, um, non-gender binary diversity, multicultural, like so much good stuff. We say we want every child to feel seen in a book. That's a trend, a wonderful trend in kid books. So anyway, that's the course and it's going to be cool. They're going to get like these cards, these like kooky cards that I'm making and they're going to play with them, like ideally on the floor, like when they played with toys to conjure their story. It's kind of magical. And then there's a lot of, you know, concrete stuff that you need to put in a pitch. So you, an art director, an editor understand that you have a story, you have a character, you have an arc. Now, I have a question about that. So let's say somebody submits it. Is it that either the publisher is going to want that particular story illustration book? Like, is it like a yes or no thing? Or is it like, wait a minute, I really like your style. The book doesn't quite work for me, though. We'll keep you in mind for another job. All of the above. Okay. That's business. That's business, right? You just put things out. And you don't know, maybe they'll show it, you know, they might say, this is actually more for middle grade graphic novel, or I know that so-and-so in the adult nonfiction is looking for this style, or they may say, this is great, we love it, it just, are you open to sort of tweaking the story a little so they're, instead of twins, they are triple, I don't know, right. you know, whatever it can be, and if they really see something special but they know you're not quite there. You can't not be there a whole lot, but if you're not quite and they see that it would be fairly easy to tweak if you're open, then that's an absolute possibility. So I know you get this question a lot and I know if I don't ask you, people are going to be writing in. How often should an artist be following up? And this is not just for publishers, but in general, like what is that follow-up schedule, that piece? What does that look like? And following up for what? For like a children's book or to an agent? There is a different schedule depending on who who you're pitching to, whether it's a manufacturer Mm -hmm. or a publisher or an agent. You know, first of all, there's no answer. That's good to know. Like you won't go wrong. Like, oh, I thought it was three and a half months (laughs) and I did four or two. No, No, it's not like that. The main thing is you want to find the people who you connect with whatever it is. And 
then you want to have them get your newsletter, have them maybe get your direct mail, like a beautiful postcard, or send them a packet by mail, post on Instagram. I tell people who submit to me for being represented, send me new work in six months. So I want to see your growth. I want to see your progress. If I'm interested, I will say most art directors and agents don't have time to answer. I do look at everything that's emailed to me, but 99% of the time I don't answer. Okay. You know, I get a, a jillion emails a day. So I wish I could. I feel bad. I I feel really bad about it. I just don't have the time. And and that's true with most art directors. That doesn't mean we don't look. Well, when you are trying to get an artist's new work, how often do you send direct mail pieces to manufacturers or emails to manufacturers? Like, what does that look like on your side? Or book publishers, magazines, and all that. So our top couple thousand art directors, we send about six to eight times a year, we do a postcard. That's not per artist. That's like you are sending a packet. That's for the agency. That's a large postcard. It's not like a little postcard. It's big and it's beautifully printed and designed. And lately, we've been taking flat lay photos of our products, our artists layout books and cards, magazines plates, anthropology stuff, dish towels, whatever it is, and do that because that sort of encapsulates our artists. But for an artist, you can send a smaller postcard. The beauty of a postcard, unlike an email or Instagram, is everyone will look at a postcard. And this has been true since the 80s when I was an illustrator. Everybody looks at a postcard. They may throw it in the trash right away or recycle, hopefully, or they may pin it on the wall or put it in their file, but they will look. You know, even with digital, it's still a great thing to do. Because there's no spam filter on the snail mail box. People like a pretty picture. I think we're all craving physical things now. Totally, 100%, yeah. Okay, so now I want to ask you a little bit about trends. Specifically, Mm -hmm. I was surprised that when I went on your website about the peacock being a trend, because I thought that was something that had peaked a few years ago. So let's talk about, like, I'm actually have a peacock on my shirt. So you see? But yeah, but I bought this shirt two years ago, so. But you're still wearing it. Right, you're right. I am still wearing it. Trends are amorphous. They don't have start and stop dates. Mm. If someone does a beautiful peacock, you love it. It sort of doesn't matter. For that assignment, what was that for? Home home decor. Yeah. That was emblematic of a very sort of luxe style, a very kind of posh, luxurious, palm tree, beautiful velvets and fabrics and peacock and peacock feathers. It was all of a a vibe. So that, that was my feeling for that. You know, honestly, it doesn't matter. It could be, I just did a thing with armadillos, to, but that was sort of fill in your dreams in the armadillo. I mean, you can take anything and make it fabulous. You know, we do have some mass market clients who are like, we need this, or this is what our, the trend companies have told us and what our you know focus groups have told us and we need this. But you want to make your own trends. You want to make your own trends. You want to be the trend. You want to be the visionary. What's the trend? But what am I excited about? If you do what you're excited about, 
it's magical. That and understand your market, whether it's galleries or home decor or children's books, like saturate yourself with what's happening. You're part of a cultural conversation. You're not in isolation. You're not, unless you live in Antarctica and don't have digital media, I wonder, is there such a person? (laughs) You are influenced by what you see. So it's a conversation. That being said, I hope you all come up with, with your own imagery. And there's not a specific like thing that you need to worry about, an object, a noun. I do have some, would you like, I jotted down some trend ideas. Yes, I would love some trend okay. ideas. And these are more concepts than things. What I'm seeing in the agency a lot because of Me Too, because of so much that's going on for women, like never before the Women's March was the largest march in recorded history in the US. Unbelievable. And that's really done a lot. So women badasses, women who are powerful, women who have a voice. It can be a famous woman. It can be the way you portray a woman. It can be the way you portray yourself. It can be historical, like I did an assignment on suffragettes and suffragists. So it can be like that. It can be my co-teacher for the children's, the other children's book class did a thing on Greta. She wrote a, a text on Greta for children's the books. The Swedish girl who's standing up. Yes, Swedish she's girl. fantastic. Yes, she's 13. And that just got picked up and made into a book, children's oh, wow. book. And she took one of the illustrators from our class. All that stuff is really powerful. But if you don't resonate with that, then, you know, don't do that. But if you do, this is an invitation, right? Children's books, as I talked about before, diversity, non-gender binary, a story like your story that helps children. But it can also just be, you know, crazy fun children, you know, nutty stuff too. There's anything. You go to the bookstore, you go to the children's section and read, 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 go to the library, take out 50 million children's books, saturate yourself, become educated. And then florals are always huge Mm. in every market, florals in any way. You know, it can be like George O'Keefe florals, it can be delicate, pen and ink, it can be like big, huge, painty. But that's just like sort of a general overview. I mean, I do believe make your own trends. That's what I teach too. That's fantastic. So we heard about the course that is coming out in October 2020. But can you tell us about a class you are excited about that's coming out sooner? I'm very excited about my editorial classes, the third time we're running it, and it is in January, January 20th. Look, I knew the date. Perfect. Wow. And that's only a month from January now. January 20th. It's editorial, which can be illustrating for a magazine, illustrating for a book, illustrating for online. And I always come up with surprise assignments that I, you know, based on, I mean, we assign jobs every single day here in the studio. So it gives me information as to sort of what kinds of things are topical. I read things and see things. And this one is artivism. The last one was the popular culture edit editorial class. This editorial class in January is artivism, which is activism and art. And it's very cool. And it's not political, like not going to make people crazy. It's like a good thing that we can do. That's great. So I have taken some of your classes and... You have? Oh, yeah. Fantastic. I'm not the best student because I 
I like to pick and choose what I want to do. It's like, that speaks right. to me, that does it, you know. That's a good student. That's good. You have opinions. I like yeah. that. Which course did you take? Well, I've taken two boot camps. Yeah. Oh, wonderful. Yeah, I started taking it. My really good friend, Blenda Tyvel takes all your classes. Oh, I'm giving her a little shout out, Blenda Studio. Oh, and when you. she took it one year, she was telling me, llamas are really popular. And I said, get out. And then the next year, everywhere I looked, there was the one of those llamas. So I said, okay, I'm taking her classes from now on. Oh, thank you. It's a lot of fun. Miriam, the beauty is we have clients assigning and it's not going to come out for a year and in a book, a year and a half. Yeah. So it's like the secret knowledge. I like that. Yeah. And this is, I take it as an artist, not even with the idea of submitting designs, but just because it's fun to have different sources of inspiration. Like you said, like the trend boards and the different ideas of and the synthesis mm-hmm. of that. I, it's just kind of fun to do things. Like I designed a salt and pepper shaker. Oh, you did yeah, that I one, did. wasn't that nutty? I did. I did like an Easter bunny with oh, a fantastic. with an egg. So that was fun. Oh, that's great. So, that's yeah. great. And I try to make them really playful and sort of nutty, but practical. They're a lot of fun. I encourage our listeners to check them out. You can check out Lilith's classes at makeartthatsells.com. But we'll also have the links to her and all of the things, all those social media places in the show notes, which is shulmanart.com forward slash 68. Do you have any last words for my listeners before we call this podcast complete? Yeah, I do. Talent is not a, a finite thing. I always say your talent is infinite. People say, like, how do I know if I'm talented? And I'll tell you how. If you're really passionate, if you're nuts over paints and you love looking at pictures and you love making pictures and you love it so much, that's what talent is. That's the germ, the essence, the sort of incubation, like something, the beginning, the genesis of talent. And so if you are passionate, that's going to keep you going and going and working at it. And Listen to that. That is your guide more than any teacher, agent. Listen to your passion. Respect your brain. Trust your brain. Trust your eye. Get as sophisticated in your market as you can by looking and looking and learning and then come back to your own self. That's my advice. That's great. Okay. So thanks so much again for joining us. It was so much fun. Thank you so much. That was great. Really, your questions were really good. Oh, thanks so much. I appreciate that. Well, you know, you've got 2000 followers a week. So that speaks volumes. How long have you been doing podcasts? May 2018 when I... Oh, at Surtex. At Surtex, right. So, and I've been very good at nurturing people to come on in different art niches and also business niches. So... Austin Cleon came on. I had Lisa Congdon come on. I've had really interesting guests and not just artists, but Mm -hmm. what's fun for me is to bring on somebody who's maybe written a business book and teach artists how to apply that. Yes. It's so important to just not have the tunnel vision, but that's great. You're exposing them. And a lot of self-development work because so much is mindset to succeed. Totally. A hundred percent. Good for you. What a wonderful service you're providing. No, it's fun. And then like I get to talk to people like you. How much fun was this? It was fun for me. So fun. Yeah. So fun. And then I'm doing you a favor too. You know, I'm exposing you to my audience. So it's like, it's win, 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 win. It's all win, 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 win. And you know, there's such a need for creatives to get information. But of course, now it's 
is a whole different world. It's so great. They're just, they are getting the information. It's great. To wrap this all up, I just want to remind you to subscribe to my podcast, especially if you're a new listener that just came over to check out this awesome interview. I encourage you to do that right away because I'm brewing up some really amazing special guest episodes in 2020. And I know you love my solo mini trainings that I do on this show as well. I've got some really great ones coming your way. So if you want to be notified every single time I have a new episode, including the bonus episodes, make sure you subscribe to my podcast. You just hit the purple subscribe button if you're on iTunes. And if you're feeling extra loving, would you mind leaving me a review? It only takes a few moments. And if you pop your Instagram handle at the bottom of the review, you know that at your name, I will give you a shout out on my Instagram. All right, guys, thank you so much for being with me here today. I will see you the same time, same place next week. Make it a great one. Bye for now. Thank you for listening to the Inspiration Place podcast. Connect with us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Art, on Instagram at shulmanart, and of course, on shulmanart.com. This episode was sponsored by The Artist Incubator. It's my small group coaching program where I help you take your art business to the next level with practical strategies that work. Imagine what it would feel like to be easily selling your art and profiting from your passion.